On today's show, we've talked a lot about how my hopes for the Padres in 2024 grow stronger by the day I'm talking myself into them. But let's talk about some of the worst case scenarios, some of the worst possible things that can happen for this next year and how this season could go downhill real fast. Let's get into it. You are Locked On Padres, your daily San Diego Padres podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Greetings, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another edition of the Lockdown Padres Podcast, which is part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day for Thursday, February 15th. As always, I am your host with sometimes, occasionally, but certainly not always the most, Javier Reyes. You may be familiar with some of my baseball-related work at JustBaseball.com. Very good website. Go check that out where I write about the Padres and general weird stuff like what castle would Ryan Mountcastle be? Yeah, dumb stuff. Don't worry, I got you on there. And if you don't want baseball stuff, I also write about movies, pop culture, video games, for places like Inverse, Nerdist, and a whole bunch more. So go check that out on Twitter. Also check out on Twitter, at LO underscore Padres, if you'd like only Padres type of accounts or comments. Uh, go check that out on there. And then Lockdown Padres on YouTube to see the sweet Padres 1969 jacket that I'm rocking, ladies and gentlemen. Oh yeah, the vibes are good. The vibes are good whenever I'm wearing this thing. Despite the fact that for today's episode, we're going to be talking about some of the worst things that I think could transpire for the Padres. And here's the thing. This is, you know, off-season talk, all right? In the off-season, we're projecting, we're predicting, all sorts of things. And I wanted to talk about things that I felt were, at least had a tinge of realism to them, i.e., knock on wood. Like, I can't just say for worst, I don't want to put for worst case scenario, like Tatis hurt whole year. Obviously, that's really bad. But I think that like, that's just, that's the typical for every team. That's something that every team could say. So instead, I wanted to look at a couple things that I thought were a little bit somewhat realistic and interrogate them and whether or not like, what's the danger level exactly on these things and how it would impact the team. Um, And it's a bunch of them, whether it be from health related to play related to stat related, all sorts of things. So we're going to talk about that today, guys. But before we do that, let me just tell you, today's episode is brought to you by GameTime. Download the GameTime app, create an account, and use code LOCKEDON for $20 off your first purchase. Just for listening to this podcast, I give that to you. Don't say I never did anything. You know, I'm gonna give, I give you, what's the LeBron James be? The, you know what? Two more for y'all. That's what it is. Okay, so you know what? 20 more. $20 off for y'all. Um, let's begin, ladies and gentlemen. The first thing I want to talk about is arguably the worst case scenario I have actually reiterated the most um, throughout the offseason, which is that you Darvish is cooked. And I don't mean as a player. I still think that he could be effective. The whole thing is the health with you Darvish. It is that simple. And the reason why I think this is one of the worst case scenarios is because it's specific to him because he is on the books for a lot longer. For those who might have forgotten the Padres, very, in my opinion, oddly, although certainly not as oddly as they when they extended Jay Cronenworth. They extended you Darvish for until he is, I believe, 42. Let me just be clear. And if you Darvish is hurt, then all of a sudden you have this player in your rotation that's on the books for a long time that you can't get rid of because his salary isn't 
low enough for you to get rid of him. And again, because he's under contract, there's no trade way out of this. You know what I mean? There's no like player option or club option until he is 42 years old. 15 million this upcoming year, 20 million the year after in 2025. That's going to be a bigger hit. And then 15, 14, 14. So you Darvish's health is not going to necessarily get easier. I do think that when he pitches, he can be well. If you look at, you know, projections, everyone thinks, you know, ERA plus is going to be good this year. He actually wasn't too bad last year. He got a little bit unlucky. Um, He was hurt also as well last year, which might speak to why he wasn't as effective. If you look at his Padres tenure so far, every time he's been dealing with an injury, he has gone downhill dramatically. First half of 2021, awesome. Second half bad. All of 2022, healthy, super good. And then this past year was dealing with some injuries, which is why he was shut down early. So... If you trace you uh, you Darvish's Padres tenure, in fact, if you even trace his tenure back to Chicago when he's with the Cubs, when his first year was a disaster, and then he came back right M- much much healthier, and then he started developing to his a borderline Cy Young candidate. That's all it is. Um, but since he's on the books for so long, I think that that's what makes him even more of a of a red flag, right? And I'm not saying he's the only one. Michael King is another one who's had some injury problems as well. But he's is a little bit different because I I feel like the the sample size isn't as expansive as you Darvish is. You know what I mean? There's been a lot more incidents of you Darvish being hurt and that affecting his play as opposed to Michael K, at least in my, or my, not Michael K. <laughs> I knew it was only a matter of time before I made that mistake. Michael K, um, at least in my opinion. Um, and I will say that the Padres, in terms of their injury luck, has been a little up and down. Um, so I can't say, like, sometimes when the team has been so healthy for so long, you're like, wait, we're due. Like, something has to happen. If you're a... Uh, you know, like the 49ers for a long time, or at least the past couple of years. I know they lost the Super Bowl recently, so that's why they're relevant. Um, like, they had really bad injury luck for a couple of years, and then finally it reversed, and then they had, like, incredible injury luck where, like, none of their guys were getting hurt. So, again, that's what happens sometimes, and that's how sports, unfortunately, are often dictated, right, is how healthy can you stay. Um, but with Darvish, I think if Darvish is hurt and as bad as he was last year, as ineffective he was last year, um, this becomes a problem because then it's Musgrove and Michael King as the only two stars that you trust. And Michael King already has some health issues of his own. So I just feel like it's a little bit of a house of cards situation. Unless the Padres luck out and Snelling, Thorpe, or uh, Lesko are ready and one of them is really good immediately. But that's not something that you can bank on for a team, especially the one that is projected to be a win-now team. right? Like the, that's their Ideally, they want to compete now. Um, whether or not that is a... A fair thing to try to aim for is enough discussion. But uh, last year, you know, you have the Musgrove injury, you have the Darvish injury, not the best injury luck in the world. But there has been some years where they've been better. You know what I mean? So maybe we could expect them to be better this year. And if you look at why is that? There's like a bubble that keeps popping up on my screen, man. I don't know what it is. <laughs> for anyone watching the YouTube, like my apologies, but like that that's weird. I don't know why that keeps happening. That happened with my episode with Miller Thomas the other day too. Go check that out. So that's number one for things that I think could be a worst case outcome. Is Darvish getting hurt and since he's on the books for so long and because he's older, that really hurts the team going forward. And it's not a guarantee that he stays healthy. Although from what we've heard so far, he's been fine. But uh, alas, alas, folks, we must continue. The next thing, speaking of worst case scenarios and health, um, Robert Suarez. This one is not health. This one is just if he's cooked. If Robert Suarez is not good this year, and if last year was more of what we can expect, that really hurts the bullpen because Robert Suarez has a really good um, salary right now. Actually, if I can look at positional spending in terms of, let's see here, if I can find that on um, 
Let's see here. Where is it? on fan on not fan track spot track spot track? By the way, great website, guys. If you haven't used it, if there's anyone new out there, um, if you're not used to using it, um, really good for just seeing all the annual values and sorting everything based on you know average annual valerie bonuses, uh, just whatever it is. Um, if you actually look at the top relief pitchers in the league, if I'm not mistaken, let me see if I can find where Robert Suarez is. Is he still on there? Like, is he still in the top? I should probably should have Googled this beforehand. Um, there he is. Robert Suarez, in terms of his overall value, is the fourth highest paid relief pitcher in Major League Baseball. That's pretty nuts. $46 million. The only ones ahead of him in total contract are Rasiel Iglesias, Josh Hader, and Edwin Diaz. Now, if you go by average annual value, he's a little bit lower. Don't get me wrong. So that's, that's a nice plus. Um, let me see if I can find that really quickly. Um, Robert Suarez, he is all the way down past guys like Reynaldo Lopez and Daniel Bard. So it's the total money is not great. That might be something that is more important for when it comes to the whole Padres taking out loan things. But in terms of average annual value, it's not bad. But even still, um, Robert Suarez, if he is a guy that Preller made a mistake with, and I think that A.J. Preller and company actually deserve credit for their bullpen management. I think it's something they've actually done a pretty good, decent job with, considering they have had really unfortunate injuries to their closer. Like, remember, Kirby Yates, the reason why he, you know, wasn't a Padre anymore is because he got hurt before the season started and was, like, out for the rest of the year. Like, he was a mess. And in 2020, he came on and was just getting lit up immediately and then injured, right? So I think that's why he was getting lit up is because he was injured at the beginning. Um, so that's what you have there. But then they've been able to find guys, whether it be Melanson, whether it be Taylor Rogers for a while, whether it be Luis Garcia initially, right? Whether it be Robert Suarez, Nick Martinez, they've actually done a decent job there. But this would be a really big miss. And it's not like Preller's immune to some misses in the bullpen market. Paying a guy who had his rookie season basically be really solid. He was he had a solid year. You know what I mean? Especially as a rookie. Like he was awesome for the team. He was throwing gas, great fastball velo, among the best at his position. But then for you to pay him immediately a decent chunk of money after that one year would not be great. And Preller's not immune to that. You know, Craig Stammen being a good example, right? Like we've had some bad bullpen guys. I think that some don't, he doesn't deserve as much criticism for. I don't like criticizing people necessarily for guys that get hurt sometimes. Because part of me is like, that's the sport though. And it's like, well, you got to remember if you're signing this guy, he's injury prone. Agreed, but there's still guys that will get hurt years that haven't had injury stuff before. You know what I mean? So I, that's that's my issue is I don't always like blaming teams for that. It depends, though. It depends on the player. Um, but, for example, Drew Pomeranz, it's like, yeah, he paid Drew Pomeranz a lot. But Drew Pomeranz, when he played, was elite. Like, one of the best relief pitchers in baseball. Had one of the lowest ERAs since 2021. Like, he was good. It's just that he was... How can he predict that he was going to fall apart to such a degree that he wouldn't even be able to pitch again? And now he's gone. So, again, I th don't think he deserves all the blame for that. But Robert Suarez, this is a big one because if he's effective, if he is what he was in 2022, then all of a sudden the Padres are in a situation where they have a lockdown closer, someone that they can trust, someone that can overpower batteries. You can just bring him in. Boom, we're great. We don't have to mix and match as much. And if not, then we're hoping for a lot more. All of a sudden the bullpen excitement, you're like, oh, God, we're – I guess we got to hope Yuki Matsui is good immediately, right? So that's the problem with him. But ladies and gentlemen, that's not all. Believe me. Believe you me. That is not all for the worst case scenarios for the Padres in 2024, ladies and gentlemen. Obviously it's not because we still have a whole lot of episode left. We're going to get into that, ladies and gentlemen. We're going to get into that. But before we continue, before we move on, I want to take a second to talk to you about our friends over at Game Time. Here's the thing, folks. Here's the thing. 
do you like do you, you don't like doing that last minute stuff do you you know what i mean you don't you don't want to feel like oh no i did this last second i'm not going to be able to get a ticket to what i'm going to tonight Game time's got you covered, man. They've got flash deals right up to the final moment, right the night before, all that stuff. They've got nice little seat views if you're an aesthetic person like myself to see what your seat looks like from, well, where the seat is. Uh, you can check that out. And also, it's not just sports. I know it's called game time, but concerts, playoff games, theater, comedy, whatever you want. Like, they've got tickets for a whole bunch, a whole swath of stuff. So if by any chance you're listening to this and you're not just a sports fan, don't worry. Game Time's got you covered, ladies and gentlemen. It's the only ticketing app that gives you complete peace of mind with your purchase. All in prices show your total upfront, so you know you're getting a great deal before you check out. You can buy tickets in seconds. In seconds, which is two taps. Pop, pop. You know what I mean? Just two taps, ladies and gentlemen. With Zone Deals, you can pick the section and Game Time picks the seats for big time savings. And the Game Time guarantee means you'll always get the best prices. If you find tickets in the same section and row for less, Game Time will credit you 110% of the difference. Take the guesswork out of buying tickets with Game Time. Ladies and gentlemen, download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code LOCKEDON for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply, but again, go check that out. Create an account. Redeem your code LOCKEDON for $20 off your first purchase. First purchase. Download Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest prices, guaranteed over at Game Time. And we're back, ladies and gentlemen, here on Lockdown Padres Podcast, thriving and vibing, except we're talking about bad vibes. We're talking about the worst case outcomes for the San Diego Padres. And we spent a lot of time talking about Darvish and Suarez. So now I want to talk about some other stuff, ladies and gentlemen. I want to take a little bit of a break, a little bit of a break, and talk about some hitting stuff. And this one's easy. This one's easy. Uh, Manny Machado, if he takes longer to get back than expected, is the next one on my list. Um, again, this isn't necessarily anything we've heard about so far. He's at spring training, like, or at least he's at team workouts and whatnot, you know, looking as fabulous as always. And, like, I know I tweeted yesterday jokingly that um, that they showed the locker arrangement and it had, like, a lot of, like, all right, there's some vets mixed with the young guys, you know, not all vets on one side or whatever, and how Tatis and Machado weren't next to each other. So I don't know. Uh-oh. They hate each other again, right? But that was a joke. Um, with Machado... If he doesn't come back from his surgery for a while and is just a DH for a bit, that could become a problem. Now, I think that there's a world in which actually like Machado only having a second to just focus on his hitting could actually play really good dividends for the Padres, at least early on. But I say this as a problem because we don't know exactly what will happen for the rest of the team while he is out. You know what I'm saying? So you might have a situation where it's like, all right, Hassan Kim is playing third, Machado's DH, and then it's like, okay, who's playing second base? Who's playing first base? What exactly happens? Are they going to try Jackson Merrill at second base some days? There's so many more questions around that. Personally, as I've been on the record for a while, I do think the team needs to trade Hassan Kim, and then you move um, Jay Cronenworth to second base, and then hopefully you got some first base outfield, which is why I've brought up Lamont Wade as a possible um, one of the return pieces. And then, you know, you, you just try out Eggy Rosario for like a month or what, however long it is, because I think we can live with Eggy Rosario for just a little bit um, if it is for the greater good for the team going forward. Um, but if this is for a while, that could become an issue. Like I said, there's there's a lot of unknown with this Padres team, even still, right? Like, And I'm not saying that as like, but, but look at the Braves. Okay, well, yeah, those teams that are all set up, they're like the best teams in the league, so they are set up. But when it comes to the Padres, there are so many questions with outfield, with 
uh, DH spots, right? Like, what exactly is going to happen there? What's the lineup going to look like? Is it going to change dramatically ha- uh, having lost Juan Soto now? And I think a big part of that is going to be Manny Machado's um, injury. And if he doesn't come back for a while, if it's re-aggravated or anything like that, then we could have an issue, not just because you lose Manny Machado's defense, but because you lose potentially a more cleaner lineup and a more, uh, you know, boiled down, well-oiled machine in the infield or whatnot. So that's going to be a big question. Although I don't think that this one is nearly as bad or as possible as the others. It does not sound like so far that we've heard Machado is going to be out for like four months or anything like that, right? As long as he's hitting, that's pretty great. And that's a good sign that he'll probably be back relatively soon. So that one's just a little bit of a tiny one. Next one, though. Speaking of defense, ladies and gentlemen, this is a legitimate one. Luis Campizano's defense stays poor. Early last season, I was talking a lot about how I thought, and I wrote about this over at JustBaseball.com. You can go check it out. If the Padres genuinely hate Luis Campizano, and I was saying this because early on in the season, he was he would have games where he would not do well, and then he would get benched the very next day, or he'd have a game where he goes two for three, and then he gets benched the next day. And I know that like after he got hurt, there were comments of, from Bob Melvin and such, like we were just about to start start him more. I'm like, okay, cool. I'll believe it when I see it. You guys have not been giving this guy the right um, amount of opportunities, in my opinion, ever since he got called up and he's been brought up in poor opportunities. But even still, um, looking back, one of the things that might have um, might have been why he wasn't starting as much is because according to baseball reference, he was like the second lowest graded catcher in terms of baseball references framing metrics in all of baseball. And by those metrics, they were basically saying if you kept starting Luis Campizano, you would lose three more games than if you had just started somebody else who was average. Now, here's the thing. I ranted about this too, because I do not like metrics and things for projections for guys who haven't even been in the league long. You know what I mean? That just doesn't make any sense to me. It's like you're all of a sudden, you're just assuming players will not get better, nothing will change. It's like, okay, if we're talking about you, Darvish, it's like, yeah, well, we have like 10 years of evidence of what his stats and what kind of player he is. Okay, then you can start saying, wow, if you keep starting this guy, you're going to lose this amount of game. Okay, because there's more evidence. But at least Campisano, I'm like, okay, so after two weeks, we're going to use projections to decide this guy shouldn't be starting anymore? Really? That was ridiculous, but even still, his defense does need some work, and you saw that last year. Not even just necessarily pitch framing, but little, like, silly things. Things that I expected Gary Sanchez to do when the Padres signed him. Dropping, um, you know, certain strikes and certain calls, whatnot. Um, Losing the ball. Um, Not catching the ball when it's thrown to home plate. I remember some infamous incidents at the end of the season in which the Campisano Hive struggled. Uh, You know what I mean? (laughs) There um, There was a lot of incidents in which he did play good defense. If that stays the same, the Padres could be in trouble because then they might have a situation where they're, they're, dare I say, in a little bit of like an, the old time situation with Francisco Mejia and Austin Hedges where it's like, okay, one guy, if they can't play defense at all and it's act- actively a liability, then they have to start this other guy. But then that guy can't hit to save his life. So you have liabilities either way. And that's really rough. So personally, my take is that he's super young and he can figure it out. And I think that the hitting is so good that all he has to do is just be fine. You know what I mean? That's all he has to be defensively. I think he could do that. But the worst case scenario is this guy, there was a reason they weren't starting him last year. And his defense really is that bad. He's not a good framer. He doesn't throw out runners, which is something he hasn't done. And he you know, drops easy plays. He makes mistakes. 
then we have ourselves a problem because then the hitting might not even matter at that case. Defense is really important with catcher. So hopefully that gets better, but otherwise that is definitely a worst-case scenario that could absolutely unfold for the Padres. Next one that I want to talk about really quickly, really quickly, and this one is one that I don't think we'll see now. It'll be later, and that is the Padres' money issues. The Padres' money issues, I have long said and not to get super liberal or anything on here, that I just don't think, I just think rich people don't go broke the same way. Like, I think it's actually very hard for you to go broke when you're a certain amount of rich, right? My thing is, with this team, I think that the financial stuff was just sign that Juan Soto was gone. I did not necessarily mean or think that that means that they are not going to spend and they're going to go back to what they used to be, which is a team that wouldn't pay Chase Headley or anybody, right, back in the day. I think that the financial issues were or only or mainly going to be an issue for this season, which is why it all became like obvious that Juan Soto was going to have to be dealt. But for next year, a free agent class that is a lot deeper, has a lot more positions the Padres need, and frankly, I just think better overall players than this uh, free agent class, um, outside of, of course, the Albatross and Shohei Otani. He's, he's amazing. I think that, that we, we could see it pop up towards the end of the season depending on moves they make, depending on guys they trade or not trade for, I think could pop up this issue. This is the worst case scenario. I'm talking like they realize, you know what? We got to start shopping around Musgrove. We got to start shopping around Michael King. We got to start shopping around guys who are good and effective because they cost too much. It could happen. I think it's really low. I think this is one of the worst case outcomes overall for the entire team of anything that I'm going to talk about today. But it is important to keep an eye on, and it's something that will happen a little bit later on the season. You're not going to hear about this early on. Um, you know, maybe maybe if they're trying to make a trade and you hear, uh oh, this this player costs too much, so they can't trade for him. But I don't think they're like the Oakland A's. They're at 166 right now, allegedly up to 200 million. And frankly, the other thing about the spending is I think they're just trying to get out of that luxury tax thing because it's an increasing tax to basically sum it up really quickly. I'm going to paraphrase like it goes up to like I don't have like in front of me the exact percentages that it goes up but like first year you go over it's like 10 percent, then 20 percent, then 30 i think they're trying to reset that and then once they reset that they're like okay cool then, then we'll start spending again and it makes more sense because next year's free agent class is better so that's the worst case outcome but again this is another one that similarly to manny machado i don't see it super high up to worry about but again i am i am an idiot so maybe i'm wrong ladies and gentlemen that's not it though Oh, no, that's not it. We're going to keep talking about some of the worst-case scenario outcomes for the Padres this year. And these last ones are, honestly, I think these are, like, the most fun ones that are, we're going to talk about. The most fun ones, honestly. Should be cool. Should be cool. Before we get into that, though, ladies and gentlemen, I need to take a second to talk to you about our longtime sponsor. You know who they are, man. We love them so much. They just helped you out with the Super Bowl. We're talking FanDuel, ladies and gentlemen. And it's time to get buckets with your first bet on FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Because right now, as you were listening or watching this, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 bet, ladies and gentlemen. That's 150 buckaroos if your bet wins. And here's the thing. I said get buckets because it's bucket season. We've got March Madness just around the corner. We've got the NBA. The Knicks are back, apparently. The Clippers are good. There's all sorts of things to bet on. Maybe you want to bet on, apparently, Victor Wembanyama blocks. You can bet the over, apparently, on that. And you might hit because the guy got 10 the other day. So all that stuff when it comes to quick bets, live same-game parlays, exclusive props, over-unders, 
point spreads, whatever the heck it is, they got you covered over there, ladies and gentlemen. Just visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to shoot your shot, folks. FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NBA. Mm-mm-mm. Just like that, ladies and gentlemen, we are back on the Locked On Padres podcast, the only pod that may, may be better than the Padres themselves. I usually save that for the end of the podcast, like the very end, but we're saving it for the almost end, folks. Let's keep talking about worst case scenario before I start going on weird tangents that make me look like a fool, ladies and gentlemen. The next one I want to talk about is Wandy Peralta. And with Wandy Peralta, it's about if his expected stats from last year were a lot more legit than we thought. And if his age comes back to bite them, he is 32 years old. And while, yes, his ERA last year was very good, 2.83, his expected ERA was at 4.7. His walk rate went up dramatically, which is the big reason for that. Let me just find what his walk rate went up by real quick. He went from a 7.6% walk rate to a 13.2% walk rate. That's an issue. Okay, that's a big issue. And again, there's a reason why, that's the biggest reason why. His FIP was 5.05 and his XPIP was 4.5, which is why he has a negative war. However, the previous year, he was very good and the expected stats weren't as bad. But I think he just lost some control and if he can regain that, he can be an effective pitcher. But there is a world in which this is really rough, similar to Robert Suarez, where he's costing the team this year and you're like, what the heck? Like, these are supposed to be like the veteran types, the ones that are having, you know, they have major league experience in the case of Suarez and Wani Peralta. And, you know, Wusat Go and, and Yuki Matsui, what if it takes them some a, a decent amount of time to acclimate to the league? Yeah, that, that's the problem. Because then all of a sudden, if you have Suarez and Wadi Peralta not pitching very well, this bullpen could be a, a big weakness of the team for what was still not a strength of the team last year. But last year, you at least had Josh Hader, who could close things down for you, right? So that's my thing on that. Um, and not to mention, he is 32. Um, guys like Wani Peralta, and I think this is one of the reasons the Yankees were interested in moving on from him, that once they hit a certain age, you get a little bit worried. This happened with Luis Garcia last year. you know, And I think that this is one of those guys who fits a lot of different molds and a lot of different projections for someone who could be an issue uh, in terms of his age hitting him really, really hard. I don't think that he's a guy that necessarily, what's the word, is like, guaranteed to flop when he gets older, I think that he might have just recently hit his stride. That's the best case scenario, right? And the other best case scenario is that there's a bunch of player options. Um, oh, I'm sorry. Not best not best case scenario. The other best case scenario is that he just generates a whole bunch of ground balls, and it's not even going to matter because it, even if his velocity isn't great. But in terms of the overall peripherals and stuff, he is very good. But I messed up what I was going to say. The other negative would be, if this guy falls apart, he's got a bunch of player options, so he'd be on the books for years. So you really need him to be good, right? And if he's really, really good, then he's probably going to opt out, but that's okay. You could. De- I, would, I am totally cool with bullpen guys opting out after having great years. I'm okay with that because that's a position where it's like we can find someone, at least in my opinion. So Wani Peralta, if he's not good, if the age hits him, if the expected stats from last year were more real than not, then I would be nervous because then all of a sudden the Padres might be stuck with this guy who's not very good uh, for a bunch of years. So that could be a problem. Uh, Ladies and gentlemen, though, that is not it. Let's keep it moving. Not just Wani Peralta. Let's talk about, I think, one of the most important ones of the season, I say. These last two that we're going to talk about. These last two. We're almost done with the podcast. Don't worry. I'll let you go and enjoy your Thursday. 
Don't worry. Any second now. I'll, I'll let you guys go get ready and start your pregame ritual for a Caitlin Clark break of the record tonight. Don't worry. I got you. I'll let you go soon. The next one I want to talk about is losing Hassan Kim for nothing. Okay, so I've already talked about, I'm on the record, I think they need to trade Hassan Kim. I really, really do. I think that it frees up the team. I think that it allows Jay Cronworth to move back to second and become a three to four win player again. I think that could happen. And again, he's becoming a free agent after this year. Losing Hassan Kim for nothing would be really devastating. And it already came out yesterday, or at least it was mentioned in a Kevin AC article, that they would like to do extension talks. I'm going to save my thoughts on that for Monday <laughs> because I'm like, you know what I mean? Like, what, what, are you, what are we doing here? But losing Hassan Kim for nothing could be rough because this is one of their highest valued assets. And it's one of the only assets that actually makes sense to trade. You can't trade Tatis. You can't trade Manny if you tried. You can't trade Xander if you tried. You can't trade Joe Musgrove. He's one of your most reliable pitchers. They're, they don't have stuff on this team that makes sense to trade right now, except for Hassan Kim. Right. And he's the one with the most value because he's a position player. Yeah, sure. If Robert Suarez is absolutely carving up and the team is terrible, then, yeah, he becomes an asset. But he's still a relief pitcher. Right. So like that, there's still only a certain amount of value you can get from him, especially since his name's not Josh Hader, which is why it stunk. You know what stunk? Losing Josh Hader for nothing. If that happens for Hassan Kim and the team isn't going into the playoffs, that's really, really bad because you could definitely get something for him right now. Something that's more. Um, conducive to success maybe in 2025 or something that can help you just have a, a better farm or what have you that's one of the problems and that it's it's just really frustrating because again it would be presumably assuming Snell is gone which I'm presuming he is it's just that he hasn't signed it so long you know I'm just wondering like is it possible maybe um with Snell, it would be the third time in just the last two years they've lost extremely coveted free agents for nothing. That would be bad. That's an indictment on the guys you signed to make it that you couldn't extend players like Snell and Hader and Kim if you wanted to, and an indictment on the front office for not then trading them and at least getting something in return. I'm not saying you get a player like Michael King for Josh Hader last year. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that you at least get something. Maybe a top 100 guy, prospects-wise. That, that still counts, guys. I think that there is a team out there that would have given you a top 100 guy for Josh Hader. I, I think that there's probably a team out there that would do that. That's how good he is. You could have looked at a team like Atlanta. You could have looked at a team like Philly. Like some of these teams that were just guaranteed to make the playoffs and they just say, yeah, let's get ourselves a shut down closer. Like that does matter for the playoffs. And instead they didn't do it. And then you had all these falling out weird moments. So again, losing Hassan Kim for nothing would be really bad. This is also assuming, by the way, that the Padres aren't good. Because here's the thing. If the Padres are good and they make the playoffs and lose Hassan Kim for nothing, that that's a little bit different because you made the playoffs and you at least had a chance. But if you don't and then you lose him for nothing, then then it's like, well, what are we doing here? Then it means that you lost Snell, Hader, and Kim for nothing and you never even make the playoffs with them. So that's another one of the worst case scenarios for the Padres for this year, which is why I think trading him now when his value is the highest is what makes the most sense. It does, at least to me. But what do I know? And the last thing, ladies and gentlemen, that we have to talk about, and I talk about this a lot this this offseason, it is the worst case scenario for me, is that the Padres panic trade from their farm system. That's the last thing uh, that we got to talk about, ladies and gentlemen, as this little random thumbs up button keeps popping up on my screen. I don't know what that is. Again, I don't understand for any of my video listeners. Um, I did just update my computer. Maybe it's some sort of feature. 
Or maybe my computer's grown sentient and agree, it agrees with me. If so, please don't hurt me. Um, I, I, I welcome our AI overlords. You know? Um, but anyway, guys, um, with this last one, here's the thing. The only players that could possibly make sense to do this for would be players like Luis Robert and Dylan Cease, is if you trade the farm, at least in my opinion. And I'm talking blow up the farm. What I'm talking about is giving up those top, top guys. I'm not necessarily talking about if the team is competitive or they want to be competitive this year. And you trade guys like Samuel Zavala, you sell high on him. That's that's different, right? I'm talking about like you trade your Lesko. You trade your, um, what's it called? Um, let me see if I could find. Um, you, you trade your Robbie Stelling. You trade your J Jackson Barrels. You trade your Ethan Salas. I don't want them being traded. I don't even care if you get a Luis Robert. Those are the only type of players that matter. But I talked about recently that Luis Robert's probably going to cost a ton. And my thing is, like, he had his best season last year. I don't want to do that. Um, because we don't know what the team is. We don't know what's going to happen. And we just keep seeing that over the course of this last couple of years, Preller's trades at the deadline or in the middle of the season or even sometimes before the season just haven't amounted to much. So even if the team is doing well enough to try and make a playoff push, I don't want to be trading big from the farm. Yes, is there a universe in which the Padres are good? Manny's playing third. He's back. Whether or not that, you know, in my ideal scenario, you got Lamont Wade Jr. at first base. I'm going to keep bringing up that guy's name because he's a good player. You have him at first base. Cronenworth returned to his three-win ways. You know, Tatis is MVP. You've got good pitching. And then it's like, let's trade. Let, let's go for Luis Robert. Let's do that. I don't want to do that. Maybe in an ideal world, you go for someone like Eloy Jimenez of the White Sox, who maybe doesn't cost nearly as more, and then maybe he can be your DH. Yeah, see? So now you guys are interested, right? Like, that would be a better outcome, in my opinion. But trading from your farm system could be disastrous, at least in my opinion. We keep doing this every single year. We've been trading from our farm system. And I just have, guys, they have not won 90 games under AJ Preller. The most games they won was 89. And then they flew into the playoffs. And think about it, even that year, when they traded for, remember Brandon Jury and Josh Bell? They weren't good. Juan Soto wasn't good immediately either for the team. So for me, that is my big issue. Do not trade from the farm. We need to, for, for once, try and cultivate this, even if it's just bench players, even if it's just tiny little contributors. Obviously, I think that the, the team knows not to trade some of their top guys, but I'd like to have at least a little bit of depth or guys that are intriguing or interesting that you can call up. Like, I like having ammo. And I know that that sounds like prospect hugging. It's not, though, because in this case, this is a team spending a lot of money on superstars, too. Prospect hugging to me is like you're a team with a $20 million payroll and you've got a, a really solid roster and you won't trade from your farm for some reason, despite having a lot of young guys and no money spent. That is prospect hugging. And it's also kicking the can down the road and gaslighting your fan base into thinking that this is actually how you win a World Series, which is not true. It was not, not how you win. We, we just kind of know that for a fact, right? So that's my thing. Do not trade the farm. I don't care who it is. Shane Bieber, he's going to be a free agent after this year anyway. Luis Robert, I bet you he ain't going to cost nearly as much as he's costing right now for teams. Dylan Cease. I actually think Dylan Cease is going to be pretty good, so he might cost the same. But that's that's where I'm at. Do not trade too much from the farm system because I just I just don't want to do it, guys. I really don't. Again, can you trade someone like Samuel Zavala? Sure. You can do that. Can you maybe trade someone like Adam Mazur? Sure. But once you get to guys like Iriarte, I just want to have that depth right now. I do. I really do. That's what I want to have on this team. I don't want to trade Homer Bush either. I know that he's a way off, 
but I don't want to trade him. I just don't want to give up some of these these guys because that's what we keep doing and it has not amounted to nearly as many wins as other random teams from the Diamondbacks to the San Francisco Giants that one year, right? Like there are teams that have just done better by building out the rest of their roster, not having as many holes and filling them with some of the young guys. So that's what I don't want to do. And that's the worst case scenario is that they do that. They make a panic trade for a superstar and all of a sudden we're sitting here like, again, this is the same thing again. Let's not put all our, our eggs in one basket because that keeps not working. So that's just me. But ladies and gentlemen, let me just repeat one more time all the worst case scenarios. Trading big time from the farm system to get another superstar player. Juani Peralta's expected stats and age kick in bad. And then he's on the books for a long time. Darvish's health problems continue. Um, and he's under contract until he's 42 years old. So that's not going to get easier. Manny Machado takes longer to get back from a shoulder injury. Robert Suarez is cooked. Luis Campuzano's defense stays poor. The money issues pop up again. And maybe they affect their free agency outlook and their trade deadline outlook. Um, none of the Padres' prospects making an impact is also possible, uh, particularly in the outfield. Thorpe, Sonelli, Lesko, or, you know, um, what's his name? Um, Jackson Merrill or, you know, Jacob Marcy, Grand Pauly, guys like that. And then the last one, biggest one in my opinion also, along with the trading from the farm, is losing Hassan Kim for nothing. So those are just some of my vibes and feelings for the worst case outcomes for the Padres of 2024. And a friendly reminder that I am bullish on the Padres this year. And I know that all the things don't look great. But guess what? There's plenty of other teams that didn't look great. No one thought the Diamondbacks were going to be as good as they were last year. And frankly, this is the same vibe that the team had coming out of 2021. Everyone's like, they fell apart that year with Darvish and Snell and all those guys. They whiffed on Snell and Darvish was, they traded too high for him. And then what happened the next year? They didn't even have Tatis for the whole season and they made the, they, they made it farther without him, right? So keep that in mind. It's the same vibes this year. Where everyone's like, oh, instead of, though, they don't have Tatis all year, they're screwed. Instead, it's, well, they lost Soda, they're screwed. Don't give up. Xander Bogarts is going to be awesome. Tatis is going to be awesome. I'm hoping Manny is too, and I think the death pieces will be better. So don't give up. But these are the worst case scenarios. In terms of the future of this podcast, for tomorrow's show, I don't know fully what I'm doing yet. Uh, frankly, again, I'm planning this a little bit day by day, but in terms of possible ideas, might be going deep on Xander Bogarts' bounce back season and whether or not he could still be a top five shortstop. You know, uh, the free agency class for next year that I was alluding to today, ranking the top 10 players on the Padres with the opening day lineup, literally. Not just like who's going to be at each position, like order of the lineup. We're going to be talking about that as well. Some old players that the Padres once traded or signed for, all sorts of stuff. We got you covered. And also, potentially crossover next week. Doing some trade talk about one Anthony Santander. Oh yeah, folks. I got you covered. I know I know you're chomping at the bit for more content. But don't worry. Here at Locked Up Potters, we have you covered. Until next time, guys, follow me on Twitter at Javapeno, J-A-V-I-I-P-E-N-O, or at L-O underscore Padres, or Locked Up Padres on YouTube. And until next time, stay safe, and of course, stay faithful, my fire faithful homies. Take care.